We're in 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, the time is kind of getting away from us here this morning, but I wasn't planning on jumping right like through you know verses and verses. Uh, I was kind of hoping to get out through like the first seven, first eight verses, first eight verses, but we'll see how it goes. Let's pray. Father, we pray your blessing on your word that you would speak to our hearts and give us a word for today, something that we can take with us that, would, that will help us. And I think all your word is helpful. We understand that. We, want, we, want, we need a special, a special message from you here today. Uh, and I'm not equal to the task. I think, uh, I think we all know that, but you, you definitely know that. So use me, Lord, but speak through me. The Spirit of God may minister to each one of our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Peter, who wrote the first epistle of Peter? Peter did. He says so. Peter. An apostle of Jesus Christ. I think we all like Peter. I don't, I hardly remember someone saying, nah, he's very off-putting. <laughs> you know, we, we read, uh, you know, people like Peter or uh, like Jacob, and we kind of see ourselves and a lot of times, and I think we like that because, you know, we think if God can de- deal with this guy and save him, you know, maybe there's hope for me. Um, he's not an ignorant fisherman. I mean, you'll, we'll read down through this and see he's very polished. He, he's, he's very... Uh, he knows the ways of the Lord. He walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Um, when they said that um, they perceived that the apostles were ignorant and unlearned men, basically they're saying they didn't go to our schools. It's not that they were oblivious. I mean, <clears throat> they're putting J- um, Peter and John on trial, and they disagree with them. Who, who's, the, who's the ignorant ones, right? So... Don't think that one. As, as we see this, he's, he's, he's very, he knows, he knows some stuff. Okay, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Um, it's diaspora, strangers, but it's also just like God's people in the sense that this, this world is not our own. And you could take either one of those away, but I think it's both and in the sense that he's, he's talking to the ones who have been dispersed and he's talking to, well, us here today. Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So this is grace and peace but, boy, he jumps into some pretty heady stuff right away. No warm-up. Now we're talking about election. We have to talk about election. I can't ignore it. Uh, it's kind of, he just made it the elephant in the room. You will read there, called. But that doesn't help you out. That doesn't help you out. Well, what do you mean, called? Yeah, before the foundation of the earth, you were called. Or in a word, elect. And I won't quibble over words because we're still dealing with the same thing well what was why did he call me i don't know does he call everyone i don't know what happens if we don't answer the call well if he, you know the phone's ringing we don't pick up i don't know <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> now now i know a lot of people have a lot of ideas and they and they build whole doctrines here and stuff like this i know that he i'm elect he called me. He, how, by whatever mechanism, by whatever means, okay, was there a list that he went through? Uh, let's see, Casper Zach, Dash, Adam, 
Hmm, check. I don't know. I'm glad he did. Before I ever drew a breath, he knew me, and he elected me to salvation. I mean, I couldn't get unsaved if I wanted to. I couldn't have not. I, I, don't, I don't know all that. I don't know all that. All I know is that he chose me. As we learn in our Sunday night series, choice, love, is the most dramatic love of all. People say the word agape means God's love. Well, you have some splaining to do. In the New Testament, Jesus is critical of the Pharisees who love to have the most prominent seats in the feasts and things like that, and they love to be called rabbi. And the word is agape. Now, how do these fallen creatures have divine love for preeminent seats at feasts? And there's other times when he says the same thing. He says, uh, you know, you love this and you love that, and, uh, you know, uh, you love to make long prayers and street comes. The word is agape. I, I'm trying to think, there's another one that's really kind of key, but it's escaped me. But you look at all the times where agape is used, and it doesn't always mean divine love. Now, when it says in, for God so loved the world, the word we know is agape love. He chose to love. I love that. So when a man proposes to a wife, a woman to be his wife, there's three and a half billion women here. I choose you. It's pretty dramatic. I don't know all I know about election. I know this. God chose me. Isn't that, isn't that a good feeling? You can, you, we don't know love like this. Look. You wrote to a publisher. Here, publish my book. Ah, it doesn't suit our present needs. They didn't select. They said no. You were crazy about the star quarterback back in high school. He didn't even know you existed. He did not select you. Or vice versa, you're crazy about the head cheerleader who wouldn't even give you the time of day. She did not select you. It's painful? Unrequited love, is that painful? Sure, sure. Uh, you went for the job interview. They went in a different direction. He didn't select you. That hurt? It's going to leave a mark. And God says, no, I choose you. Okay, <laughs> far be it, Lord, for me to argue with your great wisdom, your great love, your great... I, I don't know. I don't know what the mechanism is. Well, it's based on his foreknowledge, people say. I mean, Scripture says that. Yeah, but he foreknows everything. That doesn't really take it out of the... I mean, there's still a lot of unanswered things here. And having said that, you are the elect. He chose you. I don't know. I know. I love it. I love it. It doesn't bother me. God says, Adam, I love you. And I say, why? I love you because I love you. It's got to be good enough. He's, he's a loving heavenly father. It's got to be good enough. Is it based on because I'm so awesome? No. No. We read in, in Romans, I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy. It's not to him that runneth. We don't earn, we don't will his mercy on us. What do you do with that? I don't know. I cried out for mercy, said, yep, you're mine. Would, would he say no? No, Jesus says anyone who comes to the Father 
I wouldn't know why he's cast out. Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Okay, it's according to his foreknowledge, but I don't think that helps us out much either. What doesn't he know in advance? Well, he saved me because he knew that I would ask him into my heart to, as Savior. Good a reason as any, perhaps. Perhaps there's something to that. I don't know. So really, at the end of the day, it was me who chose him. But Jesus says, yeah, it's not that way. You might think it's that way, but I chose you. Did he choose us to choose him? Again, I, uh, above my pay grade, above my tiny little mind, I know scripture clearly says we're elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Now he mentions the Father, the Spirit, and, and Jesus Christ all in this verse. Triune Godhead is here. I know, you know people who are not Trinitarians will say, well, we don't see the Trinity anywhere in Scripture. Well, we do. We see it in this verse and many, many other places. We don't see the word Trinity. It's a made-up word to describe the Godhead. It's, 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 it's something that theologians have come up with. No, we don't see the word Trinity, but obviously the concept is here. We're elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. What is, how is, what's the Spirit's part in this? The sanctify us. Now, sanctification is to be set apart for a holy purpose. Don't use that. It's not common. It's, 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 it's dedicated to God and it's holy. And once we figure that out, it's what God has done for us. We're not common. The study of Leviticus, there were very few people here. And I was like, oh, this is so important. It differentiates how you know what's holy and what's common. And I'm not trying to be judgmental. You know better than that. But I was, you've got to study Leviticus. Some things are common, made for common use, and some things are set apart for God's purpose. And he told the whole book, 27 chapters, how to differentiate what each one. We are set apart because of the foreknowledge of God. We are set apart by the Spirit of God for the use of God exclusively. Well, what about me? What about my needs? What about my wants? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Where does that enter in? Uh, we're bought with a price. In another place, it tells us in Scripture. Look. And what does that look like? It looks like, un, it looks like obedience. I don't have the right to make choices. I've given that to God. Lord, what do you, what's your will for my life? Listen, isn't that the most basic tenet of our faith? Servants of the living God. Here we are, Lord. We present ourselves to you, a holy sacrifice. Uh, what do you want us to do? Will he, does he want us to do something? Yeah, we'll save for a reason. Well, that reason, it's up to me to, to determine what that is. Mm, says who? No. He gets to move the, the pieces around his divine chessboard as he sees fit. Always mindful of that. <sighs> it, it looks like obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? So what, what's the whole mechanism that saves us? The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, and the Spirit sanctifies us, Jesus saves us, and it's all according to the, the foreknowledge, the election of God. Now, if you got that far, grace and peace. <laughs> and that's what he says to us. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. And I will say it again, I've said it many, many times over the history of the church. Grace first, then peace. You can't have peace with God outside the grace of God. I know, I know. Some of you haven't figured this out yet. There are whole religions who haven't figured this out yet. 
They want peace with God, but they don't understand God's grace. You can always tell a Christian, you say, okay, t- tell me about God's grace. And when it comes out like gobbledygook, well, you know, if you do this, you get certain graces, and if you don't do this, and if you, and it's kind of like a merit system, like, you know, I, I, I gave in the offering, didn't you see me? I gave some, and that was worth this many graces, and what are you babbling about? That's got nothing to do with the grace of God, whatever. God is gracious toward us, not because we don't deserve it, we ill-deserve it. We deserve judgment. We go into God's presence. I demand justice. <laughs> you don't want to do that, right? What does that look like? It looks like hell for every last man, woman, child who's ever born. The wages of sin is death. We're sinners, aren't we? We need God's grace. We don't need His justice. Justice is getting what you deserve. And it looks like hell. Literally. What's mercy? Not getting what you deserve. It's like, it's like the, the 11th hour call from the governor, right? Nope, we're not going to execute him today. That's not quite, it's not quite justice. It's not quite grace. It's in, in between. It's mercy. Oh, I murdered him. I definitely deserve, you know, riding old Sparky, but not happen tonight because the judgment, the, ju- the, the, the governor was merciful. What's, what's grace? Well, that's when the governor shows up at the penitentiary and he comes and he collects you and he makes you his heir. Well, he takes you off in this limousine to the big old government, uh, the big old uh, mansion where the governor lives and he declares you as his own son or his own daughter. Uh, Quite by, because you don't deserve any of that. He doesn't have an heir and all of a sudden the heir is you. Imagine that. That's grace. And that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's made it so that God could be gracious to us. Well, I've been giving up a storm and I've been... No, no. People never get away from this. They keep... Because now that they, they understand the grace of God a little bit. Now they try to justify why they deserve it. You'll never deserve God's grace. That's why it's grace. That's why it's not payment. This is religion. This is why I abhor religion. I was religious. You guys know my story. I thought if I did things and refrained from other things, I would earn up points. And if I got enough points, I would, uh, the points would outscore my bad things. And God would judge me because I had more points than... I didn't do a whole lot of bad things and I did a whole lot of religious things. Is there any truth to that? There's not one scripture, not one verse, not one ounce of one evidence. No, I've done... Horrifically, in the wages of sin is death. And God showed up and said, yeah, but I forgive it. Now you're my son. Jesus' blood has given him the ability to... The judgment... God's not a squishy judge. His justice has been satisfied. It was just satisfied on behalf of another. Because the wages of sin is death. And Jesus died to save us from our sins. I, listen... This is, that's the best news I could possibly give you. Thanks. The rest of you lay off the decaf. I'm just... I'm, this is an awesome thing! He saved us. He rescued us from damnation. Because he's awesome, not because we're awesome. I, I, I don't know. I, just, I, I never lose the wonder of what Jesus Christ has done for us, what God has done. I never, I never drift too far from that. Because I, I get a good memory. I was awful! 
My life was awful. It was selfish and it was perverted. It was twisted and it was sick and it was demented and it was bad. And every way you can count bad, God showed up and rescued me from hell just because elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you. Amen. And peace be multiplied. Get it a little bit better now? I'm hoping you do. I'm hoping you understand what awesome transaction happened in eternity to secure your salvation, to secure my salvation. You, check mark, you're mine. Thank you, Jesus. The rest of you are saying, like, well, how do I know if he elected me? Well, ask him in your heart. Well, I'm not going to do that. Well, he didn't elect you then. <laughs> well, um, what if I ask him in and he'll say no? He won't. Well, I'm going to ask him then. Ah, you're elect. Listen, I can't figure it all out. I, I mean, I can't, okay? We can chase this in circles. All I know is God's good, and he's provided the mechanism by which we could all be saved. And if you're on the outside looking in, that's a you problem. That's why he judges people, because it's an act of the will at the end of the day, as far as I can determine. I'm not going to accept Jesus as my Savior, okay? Go to hell. I don't say that with a light heart. I say that with heaviness. That's up to you. Well, I believe I can earn my way to heaven. Ooh, that's a bad choice. That's, oh my goodness. Please don't go there. That's such a bad choice. You, you, on your best day, you won't deserve heaven. Let's keep going. Blessed be the God. And after all this, blessed be glory. Blessed, ble praise your holy name. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wow. Let's unpack it. We have to. I mean, you, we can't absorb it. We have to take it almost phrase at a time. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not God. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not nebulous gray God. He's not God as we define him. You go to AA meetings and God as I understand him, they say. He's not God as you understand him. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's, and that's, that's, that's who he is. So stay away from small g God. You know, I like to say Jesus, okay, when I talk about God, because that kind of takes it out of the gray. Is Jesus Christ God? He's God the Son. He's, he's a member of the triune God. He's not entirely God. He's just God the Father, he's God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But when I say Jesus, all doubts are removed. When I say God, like I, I, I've said this before, even my atheist son, when I sneeze, he'll say, God bless you. Is that right? He does every time. And I always think like, well, well, who are you talking about? And I don't challenge him. I just graciously accept that he's blessed me by whatever means, however that looks like. You know, I wouldn't challenge him on it. I don't know there's any upside to that. But, you know, God bless you. Have a good day. No, 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 no. When I pray, I don't pray in Jesus' name. I want to pray because God hears the name Jesus. Does that make a difference to him? God, Jesus says... Up to now, you haven't asked anything in my name. Ask in my name and you'll receive. I'm just silly and stupid enough to believe that. He's the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You know, because now there's Chrislam, right? Christianity and Islam. Because they both go back to Abraham, and they both go to... And that, we're all really brothers at heart, aren't we? People... Listen, I, I think Christians who should know better are saying like that. Oh, I understand idea of reaching across an aisle and making peace, but if your prophet is Muhammad and your God is is um, what's his I can't even, Allah, then I'm sorry. And it's not just semantics. You've relegated Jesus Christ to like a prophet. Not even to the height of Prophet Muhammad. He's just like one of the minor prophets. Sorry, I'm not going there. I'm not meeting you halfway. You're, you're, asking, me, you're asking me to give up. I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And people who should know better, people who should be leading us, aren't leading us in a good and a godly way. It's really sad. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. Begotten us again. Read here, born again. That's what it means. Now we read John 3, 3. Uh, Jesus saying to Nicodemus, no one's coming to heaven. Nobody. Absolute zero, unless you be born again. I think it's very important that we understand what it is to be born again. I'm not going to go there now because that's where I'll end up because we won't go any farther. But this, that's not the only place. If just John 3, 3 said that, you'd say, ah, that's a little quirky verse, whatever. No, it's all through the New Testament. It's here. What, is, what has God done for us? Uh, uh, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. What has Jesus Christ done for us? He has begotten us again. We're born again in Jesus Christ. Is that new birth important? Yeah, that first birth, it made you eligible for damnation eternally. We were born cursed, born in sin. Uh, you know, Catholics, when I was Catholic, they had an idea of original sin. You're born with Adam's sin on you. I won't quibble. That's not too far from... Reality, we are born cursed. We are born under the curse. It was a fallen humanity. We are born in that line of sinful Adam. And if that's not enough, when did you start sinning? Amazing. Children are amazing. Babies are amazing. Little kids are amazing. Oh, we love them. Of course we do. But they, did you teach kids how to lie? You didn't. You didn't. Okay, when mommy says you got cookie crumbs all over and they get their fingers and, all, and it's all cookie crumbs, did you steal that Oreo? No, mommy. Who taught them that? Their sinful nature taught them that. Hey, listen, uh, our, our sister here is about to give, well, she's in a family way, and she's, I'm not saying about to, not any minute now, but I'm just saying, she, well, she will discover what you have discovered, what we have discovered, what everyone's discovered. You gave birth to sinners. Oh, I know they're so cute and they're so cuddly and we love them so much. That's not the question. The question is, you're going to see the flesh come out, and we never trained them in that. It's in their DNA. It's in their who they are. It's in, it, it's, and, and we have to train them very hard to not be like that. Isn't that correct? Pray. <laughs> Pray like crazy. Cause, and when, when, do you, when do you stop teaching them, by the way? When do you, when do you give when, when is it? When are they like, ah, they're on their own there? No, you, you always. Uh, I, I remember um, uh, uh, um, Joe Foley's talking about uh, you know, a lady who is always uh, 
talking about her kids, like, you know, she was always praying for them, hoping they, you know, change their underwear regularly and hoping they, you know, were eating well and getting their exercise and sleeping well. She was in her 90s and her kids were in their 60s and 70s. When do you, when, mom, mom, when do you turn it off? When do you, no, you never do, right? You're always praying for them. You're always concerned about them. You're always trying to teach them. You're always trying to show them. Oh my goodness, where'd I get off on that? He's begotten us again. The first birth wasn't good enough. Because I, I hear people say that. No, I was born right the first time. What, what verse are you talking about? What, oh, you just think that? You'll be backpedaling furiously when you stand before the judge. You ain't going to put any stock on that first birth whatsoever. It's a fleshly birth. We're, we've inherited Adam's... We're, we're a member of Adam's sinful race. Um, but he's begotten us again. What is this... Again, this thought, what's that all about? It's a living hope. Hope, I, I I'm not getting very far, am I? Hope in Scripture is not hope like we say. Listen, I hope, uh, you know, next year that we're not having the same virus thing. I hope, you know, that March Madness is one of my favorite events. I hope that happens next year. I hope, you know, the spring train suspended. I hope the, the, the season starts on time. I hope my Red Sox are competitive this year. I hope they win the World Series. I hope, you know, I get a promotion at work. I hope, 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 hope. And we're saying, I wish. And that's fine for what it's fine for. But that's not when you're talking about scriptural hope. No, 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 no. Don't, don't take that with you, that baggage that the word hope in our vernacular, because it, this is a certainty that hasn't happened yet. Um, the blessed hope is Jesus Christ coming back to collect his bride. That's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we see the, that, that, that phrase in, in Ephesians, the living hope, I mean the, um, the blessed hope. Okay? That, that means, is that... Oh, well, I hope that's going to happen. I wish Jesus would come back. Well, you do. I hope. I hope. I hope. I'd like that to be your attitude, but his coming back has nothing to do with our wishes at all. Is, he, is Jesus coming back? There's a lot of people out there who wish he wouldn't, but he's not, he's not going because of people's wishes. It's the blessed hope is a certainty that hasn't happened yet. And that's all Scripture talking about when it's talking about hope. He's... he's He's saved us to what? A living hope. It's a certainty. What? what? What's the certainty? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's because he died and he res resurrected. It's one, hope that will resurrect. Again, a certainty that hasn't happened yet. Back to uh, the, the blessed hope. But to an inheritance. I like inheritance. Anyone of you guys ever inherit? I never did. Dad passed away. I got his hunting rifle, but I'm—he's four sons. I'm the oldest. Five sons. I mean, I'm the oldest one. I'm the only one that hunted. Inheritance is more like a keepsake and dear to me. He didn't die and leave me like eighty-three million dollars or nothing like that. Uh, Mom's, uh she's older. She's um, eighty-four, and her health is—you know—come, you know, like anything else. You know, she'll do good, and then rally and then slide back a little bit and it's like that you know how it is when she dies i'm not am i going to get a big oh no no uh sue's parents are gone she inherited some knickknacks and some keepsakes and some mementos 
big chunk of change. No. No, we don't. So I wish we had this like aunt who loved you from afar and never, and then when she passes away, she just leaves this whole. That's it, not our lot in life, is it? Inheritance is like, well, listen, here's the inheritance. God has everything that is. They say the earth is worth like 10 decillion dollars. Say, what's a decillion? Well, it's a thousand novillions, which is a thousand octillions. And if you get all the way back down to trillions and billions, you know, a billion is a, is a thousand millions, right? So I just want one million. Well, we could be uh, like multi-billionaires ten times over if we think about how much the, every man, woman, child, there's, there's plenty. There's plenty, okay? And, and what do we have coming to us? Plenty. Now, it's not, a, it's not a physical inheritance. Isn't that good? It's a spiritual inheritance. If it was physical, you say, I'll take mine now, please. You're going to leave behind when you go. You sure you want it now? Everything that we have now is earmarked for destruction. You really want yours now? But God knows that we need some stuff in this world, and he, he gives us stuff, doesn't he? Isn't God gracious to us? Say, so I don't have too much. I wonder what your inheritance looks like. You couldn't put a price on it. Let's, let's talk about it. He's saved us to an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away. Read here, it doesn't get old. It doesn't get stolen. Um, thieves don't break in and steal. Rust doesn't have any control of it. Moths don't. Remember Jesus talking about this same inheritance. It's reserved in heaven for you. I like that. So we have an abundant entering in. Jesus counting glasses of cold water given in his name. Have you ever done anything? Any, ever did anything on his behalf because you know it's the right thing to do? He's like, good going. I love that. Someone was teaching I was watching. It was as far as we're going to get. Let me make this last point. Is it our action or our emotions? Actions. Cup of cold water. Man, this guy over here, he, he looks like he's thirsty. I have my bottle of water. Here you go. Here you go, chum. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Drinks the water. I can go all the way over there with my cup of cold water thinking, I hate you. I hope you choke on this. I, I open up and pour it on him. But I don't. I give it to him. Does my attitudes matter? Is the emotion what counts? Or the actual... So Adam, you just said that he doesn't, we don't get saved by what we, and I'm, I stand by that, we don't get saved by what we do, but we get rewarded by what we do. We get saved because of what Jesus Christ has done. So that means I'm not doing anything. I'm in. I'm in like Flynn. I'm cool. I'm, I'm, I'm there. God saved me. He's rescued me. I'm begotten again. Yeah, but there's an inheritance to be inherited. Does it, is it different for everybody? I think so. I think so. You say, well, see, here's the problem. You get up there and you get to expound the Word of God and you're going to get this big inheritance. I don't think that's how it works at all. I think we understand God has called us to a ministry. I'm not going to define it. You and God are going to define that and be faithful to what God has called you to do. Because you you, I think we think in terms like Billy Graham, he's like led all these to the Lord and look at his inheritance. It's going to be huge. It's going to be... I don't know that. Maybe there's a faithful grandma somewhere praying for our grandkids and just 
doing what God's called her to do, and her rewards are going to be much. And I, I have an idea, you know, part of your reward is if, if you take it now in fame and honor and stuff like that, you get less later on. That, that's kind of my own way of thinking. I don't have a verse for that per se, but, but here's, here's what you do. Nobody's noticing what you're doing in your prayer and in your, in your, in your thoughtfulness and your study and in your, in your worship and in your, in your living life and your ministry. And no, nobody's noticing, except God. <laughs> the only one who counts. He's, he's, look at what he's done for us. I, I mean, I, I, as far as we go, this is fine. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, according to his abundant mercy, he's begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Nobody's going to steal it. It's there. It's waiting for you. It's got your name on it. It's not getting old. It's not rusting. It's not corroding. Moths aren't eating it up. You who are kept by the power of God through, salva- through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We'll have to start there next time. I'm sorry. Time spent. Guys, would you come up here and lead us out of here and send us out here and worship? The rest of us can stand. Thank you for this word, Lord. Thank you for this great salvation by which you saved us. Thank you for this inheritance. Um, I, I think I'm going to be thinking about this for the rest of the day now. Lord, bring us back tonight together that we might learn what uh, godly marriage looks like, even if we're not married, if someday we might be. I think it's the right thing to learn right now. And Lord, just, uh, just bless our afternoon now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon thee, be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear I count it all as lost Lead me to the cross